If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Baseball. I am Jacob Brown. This is the first episode of this new podcast based off of Strictly Sports. If you're a longtime fan of Strictly Sports, Steve Cashin and I, we did a ton of baseball previews before the MLB season. Uh, and then we got to the general area of the season when all sports were coming back. And we were like, you know, we, we only get 20 minutes a, a show once per week to talk about baseball. So we felt like starting something like this would be more expansive. We're doing the same thing with hockey. It'll be called Strictly Hockey. Steve will be a rotating host on that. Um, and we'll have other friends of mine that played hockey in high school. Uh, good friends. They'll be on the first episode. It'll be five of us. So that'll be coming out in a few days. Strictly Yankees. I recorded a pretty depressing episode about the New York Yankees uh, this morning and uploaded it. Um, and I will put the link for that below. And then Strictly New York Rangers. We're calling it Strictly Rangers. And my dad and I are going to be doing that show together. So today... Steve, we haven't talked since uh, before the trade deadline, before the Yankees lost two out of three, or did they get swept? by uh, All these losses are blending together, so it was either two of three or a sweep that we lost to the Rays, but then the Rays have been dominating since. So we're going to talk about all that today. Uh, so how has your life been now that the Rays are beating everyone? Yeah, after, I think after the sweep of the Orioles, or well, we got swept by the Orioles, I should say, early in the season, probably second week. They've been rolling. I think they're 27 and six since like beginning of August, which is insane. I mean, it's like one loss followed by four or five wins. It's been, it's been nice to watch. It's been uh, probably one of the best seasons we've had in, in a while uh, in terms of winning so many games in a row. Uh, you know, played play the Yankees really well this season, eight and two. Uh, I mean, the games are a lot closer than people like. If you look at the records, eight and two, yeah, you think how lopsided it is, but a lot of close games, and there was a couple walk offs. But I know you're giving that look right now, like just pain. But I think finding success against Cole uh, the last couple outings was troubling. If you're a Yankees fan, you're thinking that's your that's your guaranteed win throughout the series. Um, but the injuries, though, I mean, I, I you can't count out the Yankees because they didn't they didn't have Judge Stanton for uh, these games, and you know those are two key pieces in the offense. They were missing Lemayu here for a couple, um, so really can't. I'm not going to knock the Yankees for losing like such a lopsided season series. I think right now they're – is it panic mode for the Yankees? No, but I don't think you can doubt – you can just judge it on one stretch of 10 games this year. But going back to the Rays, playing good baseball, pitching is – they're finding their way uh, with Morton being out, Yarborough, Chirino's gone. Six bullpen guys have uh, really been hit with the injury bug. So still finding a way. The offense is rolling and uh, couldn't be happier. Well, first of all, it absolutely is panic mode for the New York Yankees. They should be panicking right now. They are losing everything right now. They just lost three out of four to the Baltimore Orioles. They're about to start. And if you listen to Strictly Yankees, I went on a whole half-hour thing about this. But they're about to play the Blue Jays ten times this month. They have, they're throwing out Ryu, and they are throwing out 
uh, it was Ryu and um, who are they throwing out? Taiwan Walker. That's right. Yeah, Walker. Yeah. And, and they're both dealing this season. Ryu obviously got the big contract, but Taiwan Walker coming back this year, you know, really reviving his career. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. And so those two guys are being thrown out the first two games after they couldn't beat someone. Uh, I forget his name, the Orioles starting pitcher. He's never been in the big leagues before. I don't think he's even a prospect. And he just embarrassed the Yankees today. They scored one run. And the entire Orioles pitching staff, which, listen, the Orioles lineup has gotten a lot better. They have six legitimate hitters in there. But their rotation and their bullpen is terrible. And they traded away their two best relievers, Miguel Castro and Michael Givens. They're gone. They've been in that pen for years, and they're, now they're gone. So they still beat the Yankees three out of four with a depleted, terrible pitching staff. And the Yankees can't hit at all. You have Glaber Torres hitting under 200. You have Aaron Hicks uh, not really playing up to par from last season. Obviously, the Tommy John, but it's no excuse. You know, everyone's raving about his on-base percentage because that makes his uh, advanced stats go up. I don't care. He's not hitting home runs. He's not driving in runs. He's not getting base hits. He's just walking. That's all he's doing. And his defense is even subtracted this year. The only guys that are going well for the Yankees right now are Clint Frazier, the only successful call-up. Mike Ford's been terrible. Tyler Wade, Tyro Estrada, they've been terrible. Mike Talkman's regressed to a well-below-league average player. Brett Gardner should retire. Gary Sanchez has been an absolute embarrassment at catcher. So things are going terribly for the New York Yankees right now, and they cannot expect Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton to just come from the sky and save the day. That's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because – they're going to have, what, five to seven games before the playoffs to get back into a rhythm. They're not going to be ready. And if they have to settle for an eight seed, and by the way, like I told you before this, if the Yankees miss the playoffs and the Astros make that eight seed, this will officially be the worst season in Yankees history. Like there's nothing worse than losing to the cheaters in, in a season like this. So if the Yankees do get an eight seed, I'm afraid that's a three-game set. Judge, Stanton, all those guys – that have been injured all year, they're going to be completely overmatched against better pitching, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Oakland. They have a lot of pitching. They're going to be no match. So the Yankees should absolutely panic. But as for the Rays, you just talked about the Yankees' injuries. The Rays have had injuries too, and nobody's making excuses for the Rays. They've had like 12 pitchers go on the IL this year, and they've still got a bunch on there right now. Excuse me. You probably have a much better idea than I would about who's still in the bullpen uh, that, that's injured right now. I know Chaz Rowe is. I think Alvarado's gone. But what's really carrying the Rays is they have a really, really great at-bats. You look down the average line in that lineup, they don't, you know, everyone's kind of hitting, you know, 182, 220, 243. You know, you, you don't see very many high averages. Even Brandon Lau is down to 248. Um, so, and, and, you know, Meadows is not hitting spectacularly. But what they do is they all put together good at-bats. They have position, they, uh, situational hitting, like today in the Marlins game. Ground ball, second base, move the runner to third base, set up the winning run, right? So they play situational baseball that the Yankees can't play right now. And frankly, that a lot of teams just don't play. They rely on the home run. So you don't always need these high average guys as long as you're getting on base, which they do. The on bases are still there. And you're hitting, getting timely hits, making those great decision, you know, not a decision like you're trying to hit at second base to move the runner to third, but that's great situational baseball and their pitching staff's fully healthy now. So in terms of the starting rotation, so Rays are a legitimate world series threat. Um, but that's my take on the Yankees Rays situation right now. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, to address the Yankees real quick, I mean, I hate to like harp on a team that I don't really follow a whole lot, but, you know, seeing them 10 times in a year and you see the, the ebbs and flows with, with the team. And, you know, right now you made a great point. Judge and Stan, they come back. They're not going to be the saving grace. Yeah, they'll help out a ton. That's going to create a ton of more run production in that lineup. But you can't just expect them to come and just save the day right away, and you're just going to win every single night. You're going to need pitching to step up. And, it ha- I mean, they've been trying to carry that team for a while now with those two guys being out. And they've tried, but then it's like one night you get great pitching, and then you get no offense. Then you get good offense and then bad pitching. So it's not complementing itself right now, and it's it's a struggle. The bullpen has its good it, – they have a great night, bad night. So it's just up and down for that team. and key guys that we said, like Gary Sanchez, he needed to get a lot better going into the season. And he's just brutal. I texted you the, I think the second game the Rays played them. And he's just a guarantee. He's almost a guaranteed out. Yeah. He, it's a home run or he's striking out. Bro, he's got more home runs than singles. Yeah. You can't have that all or nothing approach in today's game. If you're hitting 20, 30 home runs and you're driving in 100 RBIs, of course, yeah, like I'll take that all day. But they're getting nothing from him. Uh, Luke Voigt's carrying the team right now. LeMay, he's batting 400, and he's just been lights out. But there's no middle ground there. Clint Frazier has his moments. Uh, you can look down that that roster, and it's just you're not getting consistency. And then you compare them to the Dodgers right now. The Dodgers have gotten that throughout the whole season. Right now, the Yankees just got to find that. And, yes, it's panic mode, but you just got to take it one day at a time. From, this, from tomorrow on, you just got to go and win. Let's go win tomorrow. Ever I win the next day, just take it one day at a time. Because right now the Blue Jays are playing good baseball, and the Yankees just got to get back to that that mindset. They're getting a ton of pressure from the media, and I'm sure the Yankees fans are all over them right now. But they just got to reset and just think, just get back to winning one game and just getting on that track. Win three or four in a row, and you're back on a roll. I mean, that's a great mindset to have, but that's what Boone has been saying every day in post-game interviews. So I'm getting tired of hearing it. It's like – yeah, he's and and the most annoying part about it, he's like, oh, we'll get him tomorrow, and then DJ LeMahieu gets a night off last night to yep. give Gary Sanchez a DH night. Couldn't you have just DH LeMahieu? You have plenty of infielders. Then today, Glaber Hicks sitting out in a game you basically have to win. Yeah, we talked about that before we got on the show, and that's a great point because you're at a point now where it's must win. It's every game now is a playoff game. We are three weeks out from today. Three weeks from now, we are on the last day of the regular season and this is it so you have three full weeks to figure it out and really win as many games as you can that's 21 games you have i know the yankees have a few double half of them against the blue jays 10 against the blue jays so you're looking at a team that's going neck and neck for you right now for that second spot in the division that's a playoff spot right there so every game you got to put if you're the yankees you can't be screwing around with you know a half-assed lineup you can't be sitting lemayhew and you can't be sitting uh glaber uh, your superstars that you need that are going to drive you in runs every night and win you games, they got to be in the lineup. I don't care if they played 20 games in a row. This is a point in the season where this is where you get paid for. We got to make the playoffs. And if the Yankees don't make the playoffs this year, that's a major disappointment. That's an understatement. I mean, that would just be demoralizing. Yes, it's a short season, but there were such high expectations. They got to really get the, the ball rolling again. And and Boone's just got to put the best line about there every night, regardless of how, how guys are tired or how many games they played in a row. It's just the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, you know, and he also is putting other hitters, and, you know, I know you don't watch every day, but the, he's also putting other hitters that are having terrible seasons 
in key spots in the lineup. And he's, and he keeps putting, he keeps putting Gardner third, uh, Mike Ford fifth, Mike Ford's offensive stats have been terrible, like really bad. And he's hitting fifth consistently because they keep giving Voight DH days because he's dealing with some foot stuff, uh, according to Voight. So he needs the half week playing at first base, half week DHing. Uh, so that's just a great mix right now. And, you know, I'm just, I'm tired of hearing because this is the Boone era philosophy that Cashman, because the, the way the managers are right now, it's really the GM telling the manager what to do, you know, in terms of giving players days off and stuff like that. They're like, oh, you know, we have these analytics that tell us if, sitter, if hitters sit a certain amount of games, they'll be more productive later. Well, that has not worked. It just flat out has not worked. It needs to change every time he gives these players a day off. Oh, you know, uh, you know, he just needs a little rest today. Uh, you know, he'll get back out there. Like, I'm tired of hearing that. These guys are baseball players. Their job is to play baseball, not yeah. to sit on the bench. Exactly. And if you look at and you compare them to the rest of the AL East right now, like, like we talked about the Rays, and it's like the next man up mentality. It's like these guys are playing every night. You see Kiermaier's out there every night. Lau's out there every night. Adamas, go down the list. I mean, uh, Arozarena, who just got called up. Yeah, Brasso. Brasso, I mean, he just – these guys want to play. And that's the thing, the difference between the payrolls, I think kind of maybe plays a factor. It's like you're getting paid the big bucks. I can take a night off. All right, I'm not going to play. I'm kind of sore. These guys in the Yankees – not the Yankees, the Rays and Blue Jays, they have to play, man. They're playing for their money right here pretty much. And and you look at the Blue Jays too. I mean, Grichuk's uh, playing every night. Guerrero's out there every night. Uh, Bichette, I mean, it's so – there's a difference that those guys are out there every night. The Yankees is just kind of up and down right now, and they just got to buy into that. We're going to have to sell out the rest of the way and just kind of give it our whole effort. So um, that's just how it's got to be if they want to make the, the postseason. Yep. So we will get to the rest of the divisions later in the show. Uh, but right now we're going to go over the MLB trade deadline because uh, we didn't get to talk about that. I did a little 10-minute solo thing at the end of the last Strictly Sports pod. Uh, but it was very constrained, didn't really give – I just went went through the trades and gave quick thoughts, so now we can really expand on that. Um, so I don't know if we talked about the Heath Hembry, Brandon Workman to Philly trade. Um, I don't think we did. Um, we briefly touched on just a tad. We did, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Philly's getting two good relievers. Well, not, Hembry's okay, but he eats up innings. Workman is actually – was an, according to MLB Network, he was the number six reliever last year. I had him, I think, at five or six uh, on my list as well, which now that we're doing this pod, we can do a top ten list for positions. So that'll be fun and, and re-ranking and stuff like that. Um, and then the Phillies also picked up David Phelps from Milwaukee, who's had a pretty good year. So he's kind of – a better version of Hembry. He eats up innings and he's effective. Uh, so that's good for them. Uh, so now the Blue Jays, and I'll just go over everything they did. Uh, so they acquired Dan Vogelbach, but they actually just released him. He's now with the Brewers and the Brewers released Justin Smoke. So that's not uh, you know a move anymore. But the Blue Jays also traded for Taiwan Walker. We touched on it a little bit earlier uh, from the Seattle Mariners. And Walker's really revived his career this year. And then they also traded for Robbie Ray. Uh, I, yeah, I did say that, I think, with Robbie Ray, that his strikeout rate's at 12.48. Walks mm -hmm. are way up. ERA's way up. Blue Jays think they can fix it. And then they also got VR to play for Bichette at shortstop right now while he's injured. So you look at the Blue Jays. We just talked about it. They're about to leapfrog the Yankees eventually. And they made trades to add to their team. Yankees did nothing. And, you know, what, what do you think about the Blue Jays' moves? 
I liked it. Uh, they were aggressive at the deadline. Um, the Rays made no moves. The Yankees made no moves. I think they were content with what they had. And on paper, yes, they're still a better like – the Yankees and Rays are statistically a better team than the Blue Jays right now. But adding that firepower, I think adding VR to an already deep enough Blue Jays team that can be effective, and they've shown they can beat the Rays this year. They've been a thorn in our ass. And now the Yankees have to go and endure a 10-game stretch in three weeks against this Yeah, so, I mean, I think the Blue Jays are very aggressive. Uh, they made moves while the Yankees and, and the Rays didn't. Uh, statistically, the Rays and Yankees are better on paper, but I think these moves, the Blue Jays really bolster their lineup and will give them some confidence going down the stretch here. I mean, you got Robbie Ray, you got Stripling from the Dodgers. That's some, yep. depth in your pit, that's some depth in your pitching rotation. Even, who knows, maybe you can move one of those guys in the bullpen come postseason and give yourself some depth back there. I don't know. You have a lot to work with. And Jonathan VR, who I liked in Baltimore, I like to move to Miami with their signing. And they flipped them for uh, – and they got Marte. And it was, I believe it was a three-team trade, wasn't it? Yep, yep. Three-team trade. So he ended up going to uh, Toronto. And he's going to be a great addition there. I mean, him and uh, – Oh, wait, wait. Did, are you saying the VR trade was a three-way? Wasn't a VR because VR went to Toronto, right? And then Marte went to Miami. Or was it a separate trade? Yep, that was separate. It was Miami and Arizona only for the okay. Marte. Yeah, one. Yeah. A bunch of moves are coming at the same time. So yeah. So once he got shipped to Toronto, I think that's a great move for for the, the Jays because you're going to have uh, Bichette and, and VR going flip flopping. I mean, you can put him at you can put VR at second base too if you wanted to. You can be versatile with what you have, and so that young group of that young core, the VR, who's been in the league a while, gets on base, really tough out to get. I like it a whole lot, and that's going to really boost their their offensive power that they have now. And like I said, they've been a thorn in the Rays' ass all year, and now the Yankees have to go on a 10-game a stretch in three weeks. So we'll see how that works out. But I really like the moves the Blue Jays made. Really aggressive, going for it. And we said it, short season, you never know when you get the chance to make the playoffs. They see the opportunity, went after it. I love it. Yeah, I love to see it. It's it's like that young group of players that you're not expecting to be there yet, and then they actually are. And, uh, you know, that full rotation now, Ryu, Roark, Walker, Ray, and they would have had Nate Pearson, but he's injured, which if he was there right now, I'd be like, okay, like they, they can make some strides here. Uh, but they have Chase Anderson, I believe, in the five spot uh, over there in Toronto. But it's, it's – I mean, not many teams have five starting pitchers. I mean, it's it's great for them. Yeah, with with the uh, the short season and a ton of guys getting hurt uh, this this season, uh, we've seen the, the Rays single handedly training us out with Tommy John. Uh, three guys in the Jalen Beeks, Tommy John, uh, McKay is done with Tommy John, I think as well. No, he had shoulder surgery, so guys are falling over the place. Berlander, we saw him uh, him exit early. Strasburg. So look at all these guys that are getting hurt. Not many teams have five guys left. The Yankees have had their problems too. So you look at the whole. And Kershaw early in the season, he had uh, shoulder tightness. Guys aren't really ready. We're ready for the season, and guys are dropping like flies. So uh, the Blue Jays have the advantage with the depth of pitching that they have now going into the final stretch of two weeks. It could really favor them. And I really like how, you know, get these young guys a taste of the playoffs early. No matter what happens, if it works out and you make a deep run or make get past the first round, great. You lose first round, you give these guys 
a taste of something that will come in the future. So Blue Jays are headed in the right direction, I believe. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to be a contender for years to come. And we just mentioned that Starling Marte trade. So he did get traded to Miami uh, for Caleb Smith and Umberto Mejia. Smith, it's interesting because I look at it two ways. It's like, okay, Marlins, why are you buying? You know, do you really think you're going to win in the playoffs? It's cute what you're doing. It's great. Marte's not going to – I mean, he's a great hitter, but he doesn't put them into higher contender status. It's just like, okay, they, you know, they got a really good hitter in their lineup now. And they have others, but, you know, he's the best one now. Um, but the thing with Smith is the Marlins have so many young pitchers that Smith was eventually going to be pushed out anyway. The thing is, though, is that Smith has a few years of control left, and he eats up innings for them. So, you know, you're getting rid of a guy that's really cost-effective, that eats up innings and is kind of effective at times uh, for po- possibly a rental with Marte. If they keep him next year, that's $17 million. If they opt out, it's $1 million. So if we know the pattern of the Marlins, they'll probably buy him out and save themselves $16 million. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of this trade? Um, I like it. I mean, I watched Marte this weekend, the race, and the Marlins were on a three-game set. And I think it adds some firepower to a very stagnant offense right now. Um, that offense can really take off at certain points. They have uh, Corey Dickerson, who's good enough at the major league level. Um, they have Aguilar, who – had a really good series uh, this past weekend, and Marte's throwing right in the middle. You, you have, you know, I saw Matt Joyce in the lineup for the the, <laughs> the Marlins. I'm like, how is he still playing? But yeah, really, uh, the Marlins have a scrappy lineup, and I think adding a not superstar per se, but a guy that can really drive in with some runs for you, really be a catalyst in in your uh, in your offense. And you have you have Anderson at third base to uh, Alvarez at second. And then you have Alfaro, guys are, that are kind of platooning in, Rojas as well. Um, so they're yeah, Ethan have, Diaz also just came back. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was a good move. Uh, Smith was a guy that you, you made a great point. Choose up innings, gives you kind of a safety net with your staff. But they're only – right now they're only a game and a half out from the Phillies, and they embark on a seven-game set this weekend. Um, they go double. They go single game Thursday, doubleheader fr- uh, Friday, single game Saturday, doubleheader Sunday, and they play Monday. So they play mm-hmm. seven games in this in this weekend. So if you're the Marlins, this is your seat. Your season is coming up this weekend. If you're able to keep take, I don't even know seven. I've never seen a seven game set, but if you were able to get ahead and tie the Phillies, you have legit chance of making a run for the postseason. And then you'll only be two weeks out. You never know. So I think they're in the same boat as the Blue Jays where they see the light at the end of the tunnel to make the postseason, and you got to make it. And they haven't had a winning season since 2009. So they're really kind of going for something to get the fan base kind of rejuvenated. Um, I know CJ's a, a Miami guy. and He's, he's actually paying attention this year. I know. He's like, yeah. oh, the fish have to make the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this could be something for South Florida. Hey, our baseball team's relevant again. But it's exciting for that fan base, and uh, I, I want to see them do better because they've just been so bad for so long, and I think they have a legit chance to make a push, and they got to do everything they can to get there. I completely agree. And it also, you know, it kind of shows the mindset of Derek Jeter. You know, he said in interviews when he bought the team, he's like, I don't see any reason why we can't win every game. You know, that, that was obviously a short-sighted comment because he's Derek Jeter and he expected to win every game and he had the tools to do it with the Yankees. But, 
you know, he went into Miami. It was kind of not received well because they're like, Derek, you know, look at your roster, man. Like, you don't, you don't have the players to win every game. But it's just the mindset yeah. that Jeter has. He has an opportunity here to say, okay, I can get a top five center fielder in Starling Marte, put him in here, give my guys confidence, show them that, you know what, we believe in you. We believe in you guys to be the group of the future. And even if they don't make the playoffs, it's that front office relationship with the players that says, we believe in you. Yeah, and someone's got to drive the bus eventually in that I think they're looking at Marte to be that guy to steer the ship and get in the right direction. Hey, here's a guy that can really get us going. You have guys like Anderson. I named all the young guys off uh, when we first talked about him, but that pitching staff's young too. So you got yeah. Sanchez, who I've he's been. I like his stuff, and he's only he's so young. And then you have uh, Eliza Hernandez. Yep, and then you have uh, Sandy. Uh, Sandy Alcantara. Yep. And then there's one other guy I'm, I'm leaving out. He pitched, I believe he pitched last night uh, for the Marlins. But then they got a young pitching staff, and I really think they can go. I think oh, was, it, right uh, was it Pablo Lopez? Yes, Lopez. That's what it was. Yeah. That's who it was. And so they've got a good, they've got a good rotation. Um, I think they just like Jeter's instilling that mentality. Like it's got to start somewhere. We got a good young core. Keep them together get a few guys to buy into the system. We'll get guys in the offseason. Let's start a winning culture again. Let's get in the right direction. And it's a, it's a great mentality to have. I mean, from where they were when they had Stanton, Yelich, it seemed like so long ago when they just tore the team down. And people are like, what has this got? What are they doing? Where's the direction? And now you're starting to see a little bit of a direction for this team now. And it's a good thing for that fan base and that organization to get back to that winning way potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And for Arizona, they're going in the opposite direction because they were supposed to, we were doing the previews and we were like, you know, they're going to be right there with the Padres contending. I thought they were maybe as, and by the way, Arizona and Cincinnati before the season, we were like, you know, they're really good teams. They could be, but they have not panned out at all. And well, the Reds better than the Diamondbacks, but really epic failure for, for Arizona this year. Yeah, it's been, a. I think it's been probably one of the more disappointing storylines of the season just you're not getting that you're not getting production from the guys you wanted to and I think the pitching was a big letdown yeah uh, Bumgarner to the IL Luke Weaver's been terrible yeah, yeah and then Robbie Ray struggles early on in the season with you know too many guys too many free passes and then you know when you're facing a team like the Dodgers and you're face, facing the Padres you're going to eat them alive you if you give them free passes you're serving the ball up you're just not going to be successful. And then the hitting's just been kind of you know, stagnant as well. So they haven't really got – nothing really kind of broke their way. But, you know, it, it's part of baseball too. It's Are they are those teams going to make the leap and just didn't end up panning out? Injuries happen and guys didn't show up like they were supposed to. And same thing happened to the Reds. It just kind of – it was kind of a dud. And still along, they're still only, I think, two games out of the – of the second spot, but just a lot of things got to go right for them to, uh, to maybe crack the postseason. Yeah. I mean, the Reds could end up doing it. That's for sure. And, but yeah, Arizona just failed this season. Uh, other trades we have here, uh, Mets didn't really do much. Uh, they, they, they made three trades, but pretty minor. They got Chirinos, the catcher, Miguel Castro, the reliever. Um, and then Todd Frazier's back with the Mets. Again. Yeah. Yeah. For every year, he's always back to the Mets somehow. Hey, we'll, we'll take you at the end of the year. Yeah. Like every year, he's always in the Mets somehow, some way. 
Oh, it's great. I mean, they love him there too, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, but uh, we were just talking about the Reds. They did make two trades. Uh, they traded for Brian Goodwin on the Angels. Uh, he's actually a really good player. Uh, you look at his stats, borderline top 10 left fielder, um, hits for marginal power, drives in you know good amount of runs, just a really good role player. And Senzel's out for them. Aquino has not been that good for them. Uh, so they needed another outfielder. Um, and then you look at the other trade they made. They got Archie Bradley from the Diamondbacks. So to relate back to the Diamondbacks, Archie's been there for years. And that's a long-time guy to trade away. But the Reds, they were the reason they were losing games, mainly because of their bullpen, because Sonny Gray and Bauer have been lights out. The offense has been hitting. They actually really have. But the bullpen just keeps blowing it. So now they were saying Luis Castillo can go from closer to now pitching two innings at a time. We can now, you know, bump Amir Garrett from nine to eight or eight to seven. Uh, and, and so you back all these relievers up an inning, you take the pressure off them and you bring in a guy like Archie, who's not necessarily a top 10 closer, but he's a guy that can get three outs in the ninth inning. So Cincinnati's definitely going for it. Yeah. They, the, the Reds are going to find a formula at the end of games to close out. And I've watched them a handful of times this year where they're getting enough run production throughout the game, getting great starts from Bauer, Sonny Gray, go down the list, put on that roster, and they get to the seven, eight, ninth inning, and there's one inning in that middle. If it's not the seventh, it's the eighth, and then the ninth, they kind of the wheels start falling off. And so they got to find a way, like you said, maybe shuffle Garrett early in in that closing sequence, and then shuffle in different guys in different spots to try to close that game out because they they have potential to really dominate and, and finish games out but the bullpen hasn't been there all year to close the door on on teams and that's where that's why they are sitting at 18 and 23 right now but if they figure that if they figure that back end of the bullpen out they'll be in good shape because when we talked about we were high on them early in the season uh, even before the season started that the pitching staff and the in the offense is going to carry them Biggest question mark was the bullpen, and that's shown up to be their biggest Achilles heel um, throughout this year. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And uh, so they're contending against the Cubs in the NL Central right now, and they made some trades too. They got Jose Martinez from the Rays, which at first it kind of surprised you. You were like, that's the Rays again, kind of making a weird move. And then they picked up two relievers. They got Andrew Chafin, who I was watching the MLB Network trade deadline coverage, and they were saying – the relievers you want to get at this time of year, now with the three batter rule, you need guys that can pitch to the right and left side. And Chafin doesn't necessarily do that. Um, so they thought there could have been better options for them. They also traded for John Osick, uh, a lefty reliever from the Red Sox. So I I've criticized the Cubs for a while. By the way, their record's dipping. They're not, they were dominant early on. Now they're starting to slip a little bit. Their bullpen's still not good. Like Chafin doesn't scare you. Osick doesn't scare you. They don't have anyone in that bullpen that you're like, oh, crap. You know, he's definitely going to get out of this. Maybe Brandon Morrow, but that's it. So Cubs didn't do enough for me. They need to get the big reliever. Yeah, they don't really have a guy that you said scares you. Like Kimbrell, I mean, when they first went and got him, he was like the that was guy. was supposed to be the guy, right. Yeah, the guy, and everyone was like, oh, wow, this is going to be – we have a long-term guy that can close games out. And then um, I was watching the Pirates game the other night, and then uh, Wick comes in. Rowan Wick comes in and try to they try to put him into the closer role for a little bit. And then Jeffress, he was another guy that they try to figure out, can he be the, our, our back-end man to close games out and just kind of struggle a little bit. They, they're not guys that come in and get you one, two. They have 
a one good inning, but if you want to back them up for another, that's when it starts. This, their stuff starts to slip up. Fastballs are left up in the zone, not as sharp. So they they have some issues in the back of the bullpen as well as like Cincinnati does. Uh, they really the Cubs really rely on their offense coming in and really blowing the doors off every night, and that's why they've won 23 games so far this season. You've had Contreras step up. Uh, Baez has been pretty good this year. Uh, you go down the line, I mean, their offense has been really, really good. And that's why I said they were going to win the division or be right up there with my pick with Cincinnati and then to tie. But the offense has been the the bus driver. I mean, they, they really are the reason why they've won so many games. I, I completely agree. Um, so now we'll move on to some other trades here. Mike Miner to the Oakland Athletics. Uh, this is an interesting one because – and they didn't trade – the Texas Rangers did not trade Lance Lynn. Um, so the mindset around insiders was Lynn's got to be moved because the Rangers regret not trading Miner last year when he was at his highest value. This year he's not been as good. ERA, I think, was in the fives when he was traded. Um, so they didn't get as much for him as they would have last year. Now they're in the same situation with Lynn. He's at the highest value that he'll ever be on with the most amount of control – He's on his game right now, and they decide to hold him, and they're not a good team. So they said, you know, rumors were the demands were too high uh, for Texas. So we'll see if they trade him in the offseason. But for Oakland, if Miner can get back on his game, that's just another starting pitcher that Oakland can add. Yeah, I mean, that's huge because he he's another guy. He's a guy that can give you a, a – I, I was never high on Miner, but this season he's been uh, – pretty much lights out. I mean, it gives that gives you a quality start every time he's out there. So on top of the guys Oakland already has, uh, I have fires go down. I mean, who's the Manaya? So yeah, Lazardo, Fires, yeah, they got some good guys. Montas. Yeah, they got guys over there in Oakland that can get the job done. And and in this postseason setup, you just need a few guys that can really give you a few solid few solid starts. And their offense has been it's that story's written itself too, where they Chapman Olsen, Piscotty's done his job. He's batting 260. Uh, Lestella at second base, he's batting 280. Another trade they made, by the way, yeah. So, and Mark Canna. So, you go down the whole Oakland A's lineup, and there's not yeah. many. You got Loriano as well in center. Semyon, yeah. Um, and Chris Davis has been shuffled in and out. So, um, you know, a lot of guys there in Oakland that can get the job done offensively, back it up with a, a key addition and minor for the pitching staff. and. This team is going to be a contender like the Rays. They're built the same way, just in east and west. So it'll be Pretty fun much. to watch. Yeah. And it's weird, though. Olsen's been hitting, but his average is 170. I found that really weird that he's hitting a lot of home runs, but his average isn't there. I wouldn't be too worried about it because he's never really had a problem with it. It's just a short season. Yeah, I, I think these averages right now are skewed. Where if you see, like, Olsen's batting 198, but he's got – uh, he's got enough homers and, and RBIs that it really, to me, isn't a big concern. If, now, if you're batting 170 and you have two homers and you have Mike Zanino numbers and you're batting with two homers and 10 RBIs or eight yeah. RBIs, then we've got some issues. But he's got 10 homers, 24 RBIs. So just a short season. Can't really gauge uh, average too much. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Matt Olson's stats on fan graphs right now for those advanced. I, I want to see where he is. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, okay. So his Woba is 328. So that's not, that's not great because it's 320 is, is uh, average. So he's eight over average. And then 
Weighted drunk created plus is only 110. So, I mean, 110 is only 10% above league average. So he, he's still an above league average hitter hitting 200. But again, I'm not worried about it. He's a top five first baseman. Uh, so now we're going to get to the team uh, that you, know, you, you and I were pretty high on these guys. San Diego Padres made like 18 moves. Uh, so I'm just going to go over all of them and then we'll start talking about them. Uh, so let's look at the first one here. I have them on this long list on my phone right here. Okay, so first they traded for Jason Castro, the catcher from the Angels. Small little swap. What I find interesting about this is they made this trade as well, uh, acquiring catcher Austin Nola from the Padres, who's been hitting really well, young catcher. Uh, also acquired two relievers in the trade, Dan Altavia and Austin Adams. Dude, the Padres already had a good bullpen. Now they're adding – they also added Trevor Rosenthal. So they've added three relievers to a bullpen that was already elite. Um, and they so they got two catchers in this. And, and we'll get to this in a second, but what I find interesting about that – they have Francisco Mejia. He's been injured. Uh, last year, he was a league average catcher offensively. So are they going to just not put him on the roster? I don't see them carrying three catchers. Castro's not coming off and obviously not Nola. So they might just keep him off the roster this year. Um, then the other trades they made. Uh, oh, and by the way, Ty France and Taylor Trammell and Luis Torrens uh, went the other way. Um, and I'll get to those points in a second. Then the big trade, uh, they acquired Mike Clevenger and Greg Allen from the, the Cleveland Indians in exchange for Cal Quantrill, uh, Gabriel Arias, Joey Cantillo, and Owen Miller, and Austin Hedges. So that's a lot of players. Uh, Austin Hedges obviously had to go. Then the Padres would have had four catchers. So what I'm thinking about this is a lot of people were saying, Indians, man, they're giving up. This is a bad trade. First of all, they wanted him out. This whole thing where he went out and partied and then came back and bragged about it, they wanted him out. Like, the players were actually pissed off with him. They're like, get out of here, dude. So, for them to be able to actually get value for Clevenger, and, you know, you look at the return, everyone's like, oh, it's not great. They got Josh Naylor, who was a good player for the Padres, up-and-coming prospect, slides right into left field for them. Gabriel Arias is a shortstop prospect, a legit one. Who are they trading within the next year? Lindor. They need a replacement. Then they got Cal Quantrill. He was stacked behind three or four other Padres starting pitching prospects. He wasn't going to pitch in San Diego anyway. Now Cleveland, they still have six starting pitchers for five spots because they called up Tristan McKenzie, really hot prospect now coming up, done a great job. So when people are like, oh, the Indians are giving up a lot, you know, they're giving up their tanking. Not really. They got rid of a guy that no one wanted to be there. And they got returned. They got a shortstop to replace Lindor potentially, Naylor to play left field, and other stuff. And then for the people that are saying, oh, the Padres are giving away their minor league system, what are you talking about? First of all, Josh Naylor doesn't have a position right now. They have Tommy Famine left, Cronenworth at second base who's been raking. He doesn't have a position. They, they're not even going to DH him because, by the way, the Padres also got Mitch Moreland. And against righties this year, Mitch Moreland with 1,000 OPS – against right-handed pitchers, which is insane. So Naylor could have DH'd. Now he's out of that, so that's out of the picture. You look at Ty France. They traded him to the Mariners. Who cares? They have Machado at third, Hosmer at first. He's a first baseman, third baseman. Where is he going to go? Luis Torrens, a catcher. They just got Nola, Taylor Trammell. That's the only one I look at, and it's like, eh, you know, you could have held on to him. But if they re-sign Pham, they don't need him because they have Grissom and they have Myers. And then, like I said, who cares that they traded Cal Quantrill? They've got Mackenzie Gore coming up in the wings, uh, Luis Patino, 
Joey Lachesi isn't even in the rotation right now. He's stacked behind four. They didn't trade anything. They traded all guys that they're not going to use. Yeah, I, I think the Padres are – it's a perfect storm for them. We were very high on what they already had in the beginning of the year with the young talent. I mean, just a bunch of guys. The offense, we were we, – I think the offense is the biggest question mark through this uh, – the beginning of the season. And Tatis has shown up. Pham has pulled through. Uh, Will Myers is looking like he did his first couple of years in Tampa. Uh, you look at it, Grissom. I mean, Jesus. I mean, go down the list. There's not many outs there. Hosmer. Machado's hitting like Machado. Machado, exactly. Hosmer. So this team has got a bunch of – and Profar does his job every now and then. So uh, offense has really surprised me, to be honest. I, I really thought, can Hosmer do it? Can Machado get back to where he was in Baltimore? Yes. And then – Trade deadline comes around, they got their guy. They wanted Clevenger. They were in the running, got him, and that starting rotation's set. I mean, you're this team is going to contend with the Dodgers in the West. I believe it's going to be them and the Dodgers head to head if they don't meet early on in the in the postseason. Um, and then in the bullpen, you got uh, Pagan and, and Yates have struggled so far this year, but uh, I think they'll find their way. They're they're good enough pitchers to get you a couple outs in an inning, but. Uh, yeah, Yates was injured too. It's only four yeah, innings. Exactly. So, yeah. um, so you know, Pagan has only pitched 15 innings too this year and 15 games played. So you look at these these numbers and they'll start to they'll find their way again. And then uh, that back in the bullpen, like you said, it's going to be I think yeah, Pomerantz as well and Lucchesi is in the rotation. So you have in the postseason have a ton of weapons and arms in that arsenal to win games. So Padres. Yeah. And right now, they would be my, they'd be my pick outside of the Dodgers in the West because they're right there with them. It's just going to come down to who's going to drive in more runs. That's really all it is. Who's going to yeah. get timely hits? Yeah, I think it's the Dodgers and Padres in the NL. Period. Like those, those are the two best teams in the NL right now. Yeah, and, I, I said West, but yeah, that's I meant NL. Yeah. 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 yeah no, I, I think they're the two strongest for sure. And uh, I'm looking at the bullpen stats. I know I said they're elite. So I, I'll be honest with you. I'm going through it. Altavia, not so hot. Um, Tim Hill, 3-5, ERA. They have Pierce Johnson, and he's got a 3-4-6 in 13 innings. They've got Morjan, another one of their pitching prospects. The Quantrill was behind in the pen, only three games. Um, they have Patino in the, in the majors right now. Pomeranz is back. Pomeranz is great. Pomeranz has been one of the best relievers in baseball. He has a zero ERA in 11 innings. Um, and then they have Stammen, Strom. So the thing is, is that they have so many guys that they only need four or five to go at a time that are at the top of their game. And they'll definitely get five of those, like, 12 names that I just mentioned. And then you look at the rotation. Um, Paddock struggled a little bit, but he'll get back. Paddock, Clevenger, Lamette, uh, uh, Garrett Richards, and then blanking on the fifth guy, Zach Davies. And Zach Davies has been great. So, and then now you look at their lineup and you say, okay, Machado at third, Tatis at short, Cronenworth raking at second, Hosmer at first, you have Nola catching, now you have an upgraded bat there. Fam's going to get back when he's injured right now, but he'll be back soon. He's the left fielder, Grissom raking in center, Myers in right, and then DH, you can platoon Moreland and Profar. There's no holes in that lineup now, which was the one thing we looked at and we're like, can't really contend with the Dodgers. Now you can. So, because... Yeah. Tatis and Machado are playing like Tatis and Machado. So you go Tatis and Machado versus Betts Bellinger. And then the rest is, you know, they're going to, they're going to have to compete against the other players. 
So this is legit right now for the Padres. They are very good. Yeah, and they took two out of three, or they sorry, they split the series the last time they played the Dodgers, the four set, and they lost two out of three the first meeting. So the next matchup against the Dodgers from Padres would be next Monday. So that'll be a really – I think that to me is the series to watch coming down the stretch here, um, one of the more interesting ones because they'll have – Clevenger I think will be going on one of those games, I would imagine. But that'll be the last time they see each other before the postseason. And I think the, the, the Padres are locked and loaded. They're, they're primed, like I said, beginning. They're, they're a playoff team built to go on a deep run. And if it's not them and the Dodgers, I'd be shocked. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun seven-game series to watch, both those offenses going head-to-head. Uh, like we said, the Dodgers have their superstars in Bellinger, uh, Turner, uh, Muncie, Betts. So, and now they go match up against the Padres with Pham when he's back, Tatis, Machado, Hosmer. I mean, that's going to be a, a, a primetime showdown um, in, in the NL if that ends up happening. And I would love to see it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and now I'm looking at the Dodgers because we, we don't talk about them enough either because, you know, like I said, we only get like 15 minutes. But, I mean – you look at Betts right now, 316, 13 home runs, 31 ribbies. Bellinger, oh, wow. Bellinger's hitting 221, yep. 10 homers, 22. So that's a little bit of a down. I know Jock is struggling. Uh, Corey Seager, 326, nine home runs, 28 ribbies. Turner's injured right now. Uh, he said he was hitting 282 with two home runs, 20. They finally caught up Lux. He's struggling a little bit. And then they have Muncie at only 203 with 10 and 21. So – this Dodgers lineup might not be that Dodgers lineup right now, even though they're winning a ton of games, mainly because of pitching, uh, which is, it's really amazing that they're still winning games with those stats. Cause Bueller hasn't been amazing either. He no. just started to get back to where he is ERA total at three, six Oh, but before that it was a little bit higher. So uh, the Padres are a lot closer to the Dodgers than people think. Yeah. I think just cause the, the fact that the Dodgers have enough talent to squeak games out. Yeah. Uh, They've had there were some close games this this year where they played the Mariners and uh, give the Mariners credit this year too. I'll touch on that real quick. They they played a lot of tighter games than people have, think. Their record doesn't show what kind of team they are. They're really scrappy, but the Dodgers squeaked a couple of games out in that four games that they played. So they have enough talent to win those type of games. So the, the disparity between the Dodgers and the Padres is not there. I think on paper, if you looked at it and compared averages and numbers. They're pretty much even. So I think if they were to go head-to-head, that's a seven-game set. And on top of that, when you have a guy like – when you have the lineup like today they or yesterday, they had Betts, Seager, Muncy, Bellinger, Peters, Pedersen, Pollock, Lux, and Rios. So you look at that those eight guys, you're probably going to end up beating a team like the Rockies. They end up losing, but I mean, that's a good lineup to put together. So ton of talent there. I think average-wise, I think – I don't know, try, guys trying to do too much right now. Uh, just not it's like taking, Olsen. Yeah, not trying to take their base hits. But yet again, in three weeks, we'll be at 60 games. In a regular season, you're playing 100 more games. And that really – 200 at-bats is the benchmark for me. It's like if you have 200 ABs in a season, that's who you are. Whatever your average is at 200 at-bats, that's who you are in the season. And half these guys aren't getting nearly enough at-bats as they would in a normal season. So I wouldn't be panicking if I'm a Dodgers fan about the, the numbers. They're a good enough team that if they, the pitching is consistent, bullpen keeps showing up. Uh, Jansen's been really good this year. Um, they'll be just fine. They should be primed to go to the, uh, the CS. Yeah. You, just talking about Bellinger too. It reminded me of Yelich 
Um, the Brewers are 29th in offense this year, and we thought that would be the strength of their team. Yelich hitting 201 with nine home runs, 18 RBIs. Uh, so, yeah, really quiet. And uh, there's one more player that's – oh, Keston Hiora, who they were supposed to rely on. He is hitting 232 with 11 home runs, 25 RBIs. So the guys that were supposed to carry you, they're not carrying them. Yeah, and we talked to Jensen um, with the on the Brewers preview, and and he was high on on the offense, and as we all were, and for them to have been in contention this season and and to potentially make the playoffs, we they needed and they need the offense to be their bread and butter, and that really it's been average all year. There, I don't ever watch the I I think I've watched a couple Brewers games, but you don't hear from them. You don't hear about Yelich just going off this year and. Obviously, that comes hand in hand with he just went off last year, and you're obviously going to see a, a, a decline. But well, they lost. Uh, was it Grandall? Obviously, right? He he left yep. off season right. Yeah. So losing that bat in the lineup kind of hurt them. But uh, pitching is really average for them as well. So uh, just a textbook average team, I think, through uh, throughout this season. Yeah, I was going to point that out actually. Corbin Burns, one of their starters, two and 2.35. Um, so that was not expected. We, and then Brandon Woodruff is doing well as well. He is uh, not really right now, but two and three, three point nine one. He's been lower, probably had a bad start in there, but maybe two starting pitchers. I mean, we keep talking about the Reds. I think they have the same record, Milwaukee and Cincinnati. So, yeah, right now I'm looking at uh, the Central, and the Central's pretty much wide open for the second spot. Yeah, uh, right now the Cardinals are at sixteen and fifteen. They played so many. They played such less games than everyone else. Yeah, and they told you they have. I think they had a one-off day throughout the rest of the week, uh, rest of the season. They have, I think, ten doubleheaders in the next three weeks. Jeez. So uh, Milwaukee eighteen and twenty-one, Cincinnati at eighteen and twenty-three. Milwaukee with two games in hand. So um, still up for grabs. Um, if Milwaukee can get the offense going um, with some of the young pitching Milwaukee has, if they can just keep that steady and Yelich can go on a tear and everyone starts picking up the pieces, you never know. And they they place uh, the Cardinals a few times. Before the season ends so it's pretty much wide open still a good chance for them to make the flow season so they really just gotta get it going and the one division we have not talked about the al central this is really tight here white Sox leading the division 26 and 15 indians a half game back oh the indians are tanking they're better than the twins right now guys they're 25 and 15 and then the twins are third place game and a half back 25 and 17. So, yeah, the AL Central is really tight, and, and you know, we're going to talk about it now. White Sox, I look at them. Giolito has actually, you know, he started out rough. Now he threw a no-hitter. He's been dominant. Dallas Keuchel, ERA under three. Dylan Cease has pitched pretty well. Bullpen pretty good for them, too. Um, and even with Moncada, who struggled this year, Jose Abreu has been an MVP candidate. Luis Robert has been incredible. Eloy Jimenez hitting for power. Grandall even struggling a little bit. They're still pounding together the offense. Tim Anderson hitting again for average. Good for him. This White Sox team's really clicking. Yeah, they are. And uh, they came all the way back, too. Uh, we, I kind of didn't count them out. But early in the season when Giolito was struggling, we're like, is Keiko really the way he was? Is he going to go back to Sion form? Can he get somewhere close to that? And, yeah, he's, he's done his, his part. He, he's pitched the contact. He's taking what's in front of him and letting his guys play from behind. And I, I said about him, he's a good – he throws to the left-hand side, has good movement. You, you don't just necessarily serve it up, but if you get if you throw it in the zone, guys can't square you up. And he's 
figuring that out. And that's part of the reason why they're, they've clawed all the way back from, I think they were six games in the cellar to now they're in first place. And this division, I thought it was going to be one of the weaker divisions in the beginning of the season. And now it's the best division in baseball right now, because it's in terms of how close everything, everyone is. And there's not much disparity right now between these three teams at the, in the central and one team's going to get left out or you might get three teams from all uh, from this division in the, in the postseason and one, but one's going to get knocked down to the wild card, which is going to suck. But I mean, this, this division's uh, it's pretty crazy right now. Yeah. And, and the Indians, you look at them, they still have five, six pitchers for five spots in the rotation. They've been dealing their lineup pretty good. And you know, the twins, uh, if they drop to a wild card, man, that's, that's disappointing. Yeah, they played some. They played a uh, 500 baseball last. They're five and five in their last ten. Uh, they had a head-to-head series with the, I believe it was the White Sox this past week, and they well, they took two out of three from the White Sox, and uh, they shouldn't play uh, just 500. They lost to Detroit. Had a couple double headers there. So Detroit's been surprising here. I think this season they yeah, good for them, man. 18 and 20. I mean, if they can finish 500, that's a great season, and. Mine, it won't get the. I believe it won't get the play them into the play the postseason. But I mean, if they can be competitive and win games like that, if they can't go to the postseason, just spoil everyone else's party and just kind of build for next season. But uh, the Twins have been kind of just up and down. I think too much this year. They were on a roll early, and then I think everyone kind of got a book on the pitching, pitching staff, and figured out how to get, how to get their guys out. And it's just they were trying to find their game again, kind of like the Yankees, just kind of trying to piece things together get the offense going, pitching's kind of struggled as of late, but uh, not playing terrible baseball. There's getting, there's getting beat by teams that are just getting timely hits right now, like the White Sox. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, you just mentioned it too about how the Tigers are doing well. It made me think about all the teams that have we, we've previewed being not-so-great teams, and they've been playing really well. Um, you know, Seattle, third place in their division, 17-22, and 22. Uh, Detroit at 18 and 20, the Orioles at 19 and 21, you know, their hitters have come alive this year. Um, And then San Francisco, 19 and 21, Colorado, 19 and 20. So a lot of these teams that you were looking at, oh, this might not be a fun season. They've they've come alive and really performed. Yeah, I think the key there is uh, it being such a short season. Um, I was talking about this the other day where when you get to the dog days of a long 162 game season teams that are kind of disinterested don't have enough talent you start to see them kind of slide but when it's a sprint to the finish it gives you an incentive to come out every single day and really just you every game's a playoff game for these teams and it's giving them an incentive to really try to make the postseason and they giving it everything they have every night like watching the marlins they just look like a different yeah them too because i forgot that yeah (laughs) the marlins are playing good orioles i mean tigers they're playing and you're playing the same teams over again so you're getting a book on these guys which is an advantage but it's good to see these teams being competitive uh, and not being you know 10 and 40 at the end of the year you know so uh good for them and i think uh, you know you're gonna see i think one of these bottom teams that we counted out in in the beginning is going to make it. Like I said, I think the Marlins would be the team that can make it out of all the, the lower tier guys. And they do have a legit chance. But um, it's funny, like you said, every team we really just wrote off is proving us wrong. So yeah, good for, uh, it's good to see. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that'll do it for this first Strictly Baseball episode. We went through everything, all the divisions, all the trades, 
and we're going to keep these going. We haven't picked a day yet, but we're just going to try and do one day a week for this, one day a week for Strictly Sports, uh, one day a week for the Yankees, unless they don't make the playoffs, and I'll probably just stop making them for a few weeks. Uh, and then we'll have Strictly Hockey probably once a week as well. And yeah, that'll do it. So you can follow us. We're going to advertise all these shows on our main Twitter. We're not, we're not going to make five Twitter accounts that you have to follow. I, I don't have enough time for that or patience for that. It's kind of annoying. So I'm just going to use the Strictly, Strictly Sports social media to advertise it. But the actual pods themselves will all be different links. And I'll link them in every Strictly Sports episode uh, and in our pinned tweets, which, by the way, I'm sorry for you guys that kept to go on those links on Twitter. We've gotten so many new platforms that that pinned tweet with all the links to our shows, I've added like five tweets with new platforms. So to find these new podcasts, you'll probably have to go six tweets deep on the uh, pinned on the homepage for Twitter, but you'll find them and in all the descriptions of, uh, of uh, our other pods as well. So for Steve Cashin, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you next week.